Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Uh, obviously, I've narrowed it down a little beyond three hours. I think that you'll be pleased with the link. I'm glad that you're here, by the way. Uh, We weren't sure how many folks were going to make it in this kind of cold weather. In fact, if I could, I just want to get some video for Paxson and Jeff. Just, you know, just kind of smile and wave. There's Vonda waving. I see a couple other waves. Yeah, Andrea has her mouth open for some reason. Um, Yeah, we're glad that you're here this morning. You know, it's it's sort of sleeping in weather, isn't it, when it's cold and a a little cloudy. And but boy, I'm glad that you're here. I'm pleasantly surprised at this 9 a.m. service uh, of the crowd, and thank you for being here. James uh, chapter four, we'll look at verses 11 and 12 in just a minute together. You may have seen the word slander in there already. You know, slander is, is so widespread in our culture in, and even in some of our churches and certainly in small towns that we, we hardly notice slander anymore in our own lives or, or in our communities. It's kind of like OMG, only saying that out. I don't want to say it out. Our, our culture, our society, we've been, we've been desensitized to the point that even Christians are using God's name in vain and, and they don't even notice it. We used to think God's name in vain was just GD, right? The big one. Thou shalt not use God's name in vain. But the, the text in the Hebrew in the Ten Commandments says you shall not misuse, misuse the name of Yahweh. By the way, it's not just like our Orthodox Hebrew brothers would say, it's not just the word Yahweh for God, but it's using God's name in vain, his son's name in vain, his spirit's name in vain. Anything that misuses the name of God is breaking the commandment of thou shalt not take the name of the Lord God in vain. Slander's kind of like that. It's pervasive, unfortunately, in the local churches, in small towns. How many of you grew up in a small town? Yeah, even, you know, the great postmodern philosopher Miranda Lambert said that everyone dies famous in a small town, right? Everyone dies famous in a small town. Listen to this. Writing in the, uh, excuse me, the 1828 edition of his dictionary, Noah Webster defined slander as a false tale or report maliciously uttered intending to injure the reputation of another by lessening him in the esteem of his fellow citizens, by exposing him to impeachment and punishment, or by impairing his means of living. You know what slander is, don't you? It seems like the only episodes of slander nowadays that actually get our attention are those that we recognize that rise to the level of such craziness, like Brett Kavanaugh endured, or like the one I read about last week in Fox News. It seems that a group of five high school girls, they called them mean girls, like the movie in Pennsylvania, confessed to targeting a boy with false sexual assault allegations just because they didn't like him. The boy's parents, Michael and Alicia Flood, have launched a lawsuit seeking unspecified damages, claiming the girls in Pittsburgh conspired in person and via electronic communication devices to falsely accuse their son of assault on two occasions. Now listen to this. 
The, the false accusations led to the firing of their son from his job at a swimming pool, and then he was forced to endure multiple court appearances, detention in a juvenile facility, detention at home, the loss of his liberty, and other damages. He is now being homeschooled and suffers mental health problems. He was basically being tortured in school by the other students and investigators, but the administration was only focused on protecting the girls who were lying. The first girl accused the boy of assaulting her in July of 17 at the swimming pool. Another girl, her friend, the only one named actually, because she was, the others were minors, said she was present during the assault. But the first girl later admitted making up the allegation saying, I just don't like him. She, tested, she justified her decision to fabricate the allegations during a recorded interview with school officials that was obtained by the attorney. I just don't like to hear him talk. I just don't like to look at him. The boy was charged with indecent assault and two counts of harassment. He pled not guilty but was put on probation. In October of the same year of 17, the same girl who accused him of sexual assault allegedly told her fellow classmates that she would do anything to get him expelled. This led to another bullying campaign by other students against him. In one example, someone taped a word predator on his back during a choir practice. The male student was hit with still another accusation of assault this past March. A friend of the first girl told a school official that he assaulted her at home. The allegations were backed up by two other girls. This led to the young man getting charged with indecent assault, criminal trespass, and simple assault in April. He was reportedly arrested at the school and spent nine days in a detention center after being deemed a threat to the community. Now listen to this. Just a month later in May, the three girls recanted their allegations admitted at lying about the assault. Sometimes we think that slander is only to that level. It has to be something crazy, something almost too bad to be true. Unfortunately, that's not what the Apostle James, I call him Pastor James, unfortunately, that's not the level to which he is speaking in the text in James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. If you would go to the text with me in James 4, 11 and 12. This is Pastor James, and he writes, Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now, Pastor James is the senior pastor at the church at Jerusalem. He was the oldest half-brother of Jesus. I don't know if you know this. Maybe you do. Just a little reminder here if so. He's the oldest half-brother of Jesus. Mary was their mother. The Holy Spirit impregnated Mary with Jesus. And Joseph was uh, Pastor James's dad. He was Jesus' dad, but he was Pastor James's father as well. He was not a believer until after the resurrection. He got gloriously saved and became the main leader of the church of Jerusalem, the main pastor. And he writes this epistle, this pastoral letter. It's called a pastoral epistle. He writes this pastoral letter about 15 years after Jesus was crucified, buried, resurrected, and then 40 days later ascended into heaven. About 15 years after that, he writes this letter. Um, as you may recall about James, how many of you have studied James before? Can I see your hands? Yeah, a few of you have. As you may recall about James, he writes um, this, this letter to his church and to the church being planted by the first generation of believers. Listen to this. To present tests 
of a living, genuine, saving faith. In fact, turn over a couple of pages to James chapter 1 and verse 22, and you see the thesis for the entire letter uh, given in James 1.22. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. He goes on in that before and after that thesis to talk about genuine faith and that faith and works are going hand in hand, hand in glove. If you grew up Catholic or you studied the Reformation or you grew up Lutheran, Martin Luther read the book of James and didn't like it because he had struggled so much with the works-based salvation of his era, with the purchasing of indulgences that he nailed his 95 theses to the door of the Wittenberg church and said, we must reform and conform to scripture. And he didn't like the book of James. He wanted to tear it out of his Bible because he thought it was taking him back to workspace salvation that was alive and well in the early 1500s in the only church there was at the time. But he was wrong. It's not about doing Christian works or avoiding Christian, you know, uh, worldly sins in order to be saved. It's that these are indications and tests and, and proofs and testimonies of a person who is genuinely, a person who is genuinely saved. Verses 11, and a 12, verses 11 and 12, like other places in James, in chapter 4, give us a self-assessment of whether or not our faith is genuine. There, I, I've, called these, I've called these for decades the red flags in Scripture. The red flags in Scripture. In other words, if I have a problem continuing to speak against, to talk against, to slander because of my own selfish intentions or I just don't like that person, if I continue to do that, that's a red flag to me that the Holy Spirit is waving that says, you better see if you're genuinely saved because a genuinely saved person is not going to continue in slander without being convicted of it by the Holy Spirit. Now, pastors, teachers, deacons, elders, we don't get to decide. Notice I said it's a self-assessment. It's a scriptural assessment, but you apply it to yourself. If you were to come to us and say, I've got a very serious problem. I just seem to slander all the time. Those mean girls are nothing compared to what I do. That means I'm going to hell, right? I'd say, I don't know. What's the Holy Spirit saying to your heart? Romans 8, he makes it clear in verse 16 that the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. But it seems to me, according to Scripture, if we can continue in a life of sin, in this case, a genuine test of whether or not I'm saved based on the slander or the lack thereof and therefore the positivity, it's opposite coming out of my life. If I can continue in that, in that without being convicted, at least it ought to get me, give me pause at the feet of Jesus. That there's something going on in my soul, in my mind, in my mouth that is not a test, an assessment, a testimony of genuine faith that I've got a serious problem. It could be that your heart is hardened, but it could also be that you're lost. You've gone through a Christian ritual, but there's been no outward change of an inward reality, and you ought to do business with God, but you don't do business with the pastor. It's between you and the Lord. It's a self-assessment of whether or not our faith is genuine. So James, in other, in other words, is saying, slow down, brothers, take a look at your life, stop and check this out. Now you may be wondering, after having heard the timeline, are you telling me that the first generation of believers were struggling with slandering each other just 15 years after Jesus ascended into heaven? And I'm telling you, yes. I'm telling you, yes. They had a problem with this. James is addressing it in his only pastoral letter because they had a problem. 
It's been going on from the beginning. In fact, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Slander's been going on since the beginning. Since the beginning. James chapter, or excuse me, Genesis chapter 3. You know the text. The devil, Adam and Eve, are at the, at the tree of life in the middle of the garden. How did they know it was there? God didn't tell them it was there. He said, there's the tree of life. You can eat from anything, but not the tree of life. And I think they must have been teenagers because they quickly found the tree of life. And let's pretend that there was a circle drawn around it. And they didn't want to touch it. They didn't want to touch it or eat of it. God said, don't eat of it. The devil distorts God's word and says, touch it. But they find the tree of life, and let's say there's a circle around it between godliness and sin, and they don't cross it, right? They like, like all of us when we were teenagers, they want to put their toes on the line between godliness and sin and just reach out. They're not actually crossing the line. It's not an actual lie. That's not actual sexual sin. I'm not going all the way. I'm just, just right there, right? They know where it was. For some reason, there they are that day just looking at it. And the devil makes his way in. And here's what I want you to notice. We won't spend a lot of time there. Here's what I want you to notice. The devil slanders first God's integrity. Look at verse one. Did God really say, you must not eat of it or even touch it? He didn't say anything about touching it, did he? He said, you, don't, you can't eat of it. He, he attacks God's, he slanders God's integrity, the devil does. And in verse five, he also slanders God's motives. For God knows that when you eat of it, you will be like him. The reason he doesn't want you to eat of the fruit of the tree of, the, the, the tree of life is because that you will, know, you will know him and live forever. You'll be like him. The devil slanders God's motives. So it's not just from the beginning, but think of, listen to this also in 1 Samuel. I'm not going to take you there because it's a huge long narrative, but in 1 Samuel, in about chapter 22 in that section of 1 Samuel, David, King David, he's the king now, he's going to show mercy to the Ammonites, and he sends word, but his advisors, King Hanan, or Hanun, his advisors catch these messengers and say, what are you doing here? And they say, King David, the king of all Israel, he wants to show mercy to the Ammonite king, Hanun, for the mercy that he showed him when he was probably, I'm, I'm speculating here, probably when he was running from King Saul when he was around 20 years of age. The king of the Ammonites gave him refuge. Probably. David wants to show him some mercy. But they poisoned King Hanun's mind and slandered David's, slandered David's message of mercy and security. And Hanun hires mercenaries and they end up going to battle. And listen to this. Because of one conversation of slander, over 40,000 young men are slaughtered in battle as a result of that slander. One young man in Pennsylvania is enough, but if we look at the ancient record in 1 Samuel, 40,000 young men go down in battle because of one slanderous conversation. Slander has been around since the beginning. Let's go back to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, look at verse 11, again, 11 and 12 again. Brothers, do not slander one another. Either anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law. And judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? I want to give you a few keys from this text, but let me, let me tell you what he's not forbidding. He's not forbidding us holding each other accountable in the Christian life. 
Jesus tells us what to do if somebody is, is, is continuing in habitual sin. He says to go and talk to the brother directly. And if they don't listen, take two or three brothers or sisters with you and go and talk to them again. And if they still don't listen, just have nothing to do with them. But notice Jesus' example is to go direct. Pastor James is not saying that we shouldn't discern or judge for ourselves these things as the Apostle Paul calls it. He's not even suggesting that we ignore habitual sin in the church. What he's saying is, and let me give you a few keys in this text. First of all, notice the words brothers and brother, and in the NIV, him as well. Brothers, brother, and then, and then in the, towards the middle there, verse 11, the, word, the, the pronoun him as well. In verse 11, all three of those in the Greek text are a form of adelphos, Adelphos. Anybody ever heard of Philadelphia? Yeah, no, I can't stand the Eagles, but that's not the point. Philadelphia is the city of what? Brotherly love. Adelphos is the Greek word for brother. Three times in verse 11, Pastor James says, brothers, plural, all of you listen up, and then in your individual lives, don't slander, speak against, talk against a brother, and don't judge a brother. Now let me ask you a question. He's talking about the brothers. That means the, the Christian brothers and sisters. Does that mean it's okay to slander someone who's not saved? Right? Somebody says, well, no, I don't, I don't trust Jesus as my Savior. Can you go, oh, well, good. I can talk about you and speak against you and slander you. That gives me, that gives me some outlet. I get to vent my slanderous heart uh, upon you. By the way, that's where it comes from, isn't it? Slander from your mouth comes from your heart, doesn't it? Remember when the disciples were being accused of not washing before they ate by the Pharisees? Anybody remember that? Pharisees were like, Jesus, your disciples don't wash before they eat. He said, listen, it's not the unclean hands that make you unclean. It's the evil intentions. It's the malicious thought. It's the slander that comes out of the heart of a man that defiles him. That defiles him. So, key thought here, it's, it's brothers, but it doesn't mean we can let uh, lost people or pagans have it with our slander. Second key I want you to notice, notice the words slander, and then in the NIV, slander, and speaks against, and speaks against again. Do you see that? The, the word there is katalaleo. That's hard to remember. It doesn't mean anything. But it's just like adelphos is used three times. That word in different variations is used three times. And listen to this. One commentator says, it refers to mindless, thoughtless, careless, critical, derogatory, or untrue speech directed against others. Ouch. Ouch. Do not slander one another is not merely, it's not nearly as fun as love one another, is it? It's kind of on that level of forgive one another. You know, Jeff, you could have just left us at love one another, but you had to go to forgive one another. Now we got to forgive people that have wronged us. We don't really want to forgive. And now you got this chump filling in while you're at the retreat, and he's telling me I don't get to slander anybody. Listen to it again. It refers to mindless, thoughtless, careless, critical, derogatory, or untrue speech directed against others. The third key in this text. Notice in verse 12 that Pastor James puts the slanderer, look at it, verse 12, in direct opposition to who? He puts the slanderer in direct opposition to who? The lawgiver, guess who that is? You guessed it. The judge, guess who that is? And it's a little less indirect, but the Savior. You see that at the end of verse 12? 
Pastor James says, if you're speaking against slandering your brother or sister, you are putting yourself in direct opposition to my father, the God of the universe, the one who thought and then said, let there be light. In the Hebrew, I don't know if you know this, the Hebrew from the Old Testament where it says, God said, let there be light, it literally in ancient Hebrew refers to God having a thought and this explosion of light into the universe. And guess what? He didn't even create the sun and the stars for a few more days, if you look at the creation account. Where did the light come from? It came from the essence of the transcendent God of the universe, and he sustained light in this universe before he created billions of stars to keep it going according to his glory and will. Sorry, little side note there. Pastor James says, he puts us in direct opposition to the lawgiver, the judge, the savior. Well, the last observation is this. It's not, it's not in this text, but have you ever heard of the word, the Greek word diabolos? Diabolos, anybody heard of that? Have you heard of a diabolical plan? Maybe you like to read mysteries or watch those kind of movies. A diabolical plan. It's, it's the word that we translate it. It started in, in, in New Testament Greek, diabolos, and then it went to Latin, and then it went to Old English, and then it went to Modern English, and along the way, diabolos became devil. Some of you probably know that. Diabolos became devil. Greek, Latin, Old English, into what we would consider modern English and certainly American English. Diabolos is devil. Do you know what diabolos is literally translated in Koine Greek 2,000 years ago? Slanderer. Slanderer. The last observation, the last key of this text today is the New Testament Greek word for devil is diabolos and its literal translation is slanderer. All right. How about some key observations and applications? Let me give them to you. Are you still with me? You're like, Carter, you usually say something funny. This ain't that funny. It's not that good. It's not that great. First observation is this. It seems to me that Pastor James is addressing his church and our church and all Christians until Jesus comes back to get us. Would you agree with that? It seems he's addressing his church, the church at Jerusalem, the first church, the mother church, 15 years approximately after Jesus ascended into heaven. He's addressing his church and our church and Christian, all Christians of all time until he comes back and gets us, until the glorious appearing and the ushering in of his kingdom. It seems to me he's addressing all of us. The second observation is this. It seems to me, hang on here, that when I speak against, I, t I wrote this down, I wanted to be very precise. It seems to me that when I speak against or slander my brother because I don't like him, or because he doesn't like me, or because he left me out of his get-together, or because he has something that I don't think he deserves, when I slander or speak against, it seems to me, when I slander or speak against my brother, I'm acting like the devil, like the diabolos. Speak against, talk against is the literal translation of the word slander or speak against in the NIV. And stay with me, we're getting, we're getting close here. Speak against, talk against, translators have always called it slander because that's what it is. And we've known about it since the beginning when the slanderer tempted Adam and Eve and they sinned. And we still know about it in our lives. It seems to me that when I slander or speak against my brother, I'm not acting like the Savior. Remember Pastor Jeff said a few weeks ago, I'm most like Jesus when I'm forgiving someone. I'm most like Jesus when I'm forgiving someone. 
We've said several times in this church, he and I, I'm most like God when I'm giving, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I'm most like God when I'm giving. I'm most like Jesus when I'm forgiving. And unfortunately, the antithesis of our Savior is I'm most like the devil when I'm slandering my brother or my sister. It seems to me, third, it seems to me that when James commands do not slander, he means a few things. He means a few things. How many of you would agree with, I know, I know it's a little warm in here, but you should enjoy that, because Pastor Jeff will be back next week, and this will be cold again, so, all right? Uh, I thought my wife was going to be here this morning in the first service and serve in the second. I got the schedule backwards. I wanted to keep it warm for her while I had control of it, but some of you are dozing off, okay? And so... Pastor Jeff will be back, and it'll be 64 again here, here next Sunday, so bring your coats. I, that's one of the things I love about him, by the way, because I don't have to take the blame. I can go, Pastor Jeff, can, I just put it where he tells me to put it, all right? Hang on a second. Would, would, you, would you agree that when Pastor Jeff and Pastor Paxton lead us in worship in the Word, that they ought to be able to look out at their congregation and not see a bunch of slanderers looking back at them about their lives? How many of you agree with that? Yeah, Pastor Jeff and Paxton, boy, how hard would it be if a bunch of people were talking about the preacher, talking about the worship leader, and they had to lead us week in and week out? It seems to me that they, they ought to be able to stand out there up here on Sunday mornings and lead us in worship without, without worrying about there being a bunch of folks who are out there speaking and talking against them. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Second point under that one, James commands to not be slandered. It seems to me that he means, I don't get to slander, hang on, see how many amens we get here. You with me? I don't get to slander my kids' teachers or coaches or administrators because I don't get my way. Oh, dang, here you go. We went from preaching to meddling now. Remember how many hands went up earlier that said you grew up in a small town? When your kids go to school with your neighbors, when your kids are coached by people who are your neighbors, when your kids' administrators are your neighbors, a certain level of difficulty that comes with that. And when they go to the same, when you go to the same church together, there's another level of challenge there. But if we said amen to the fact that Pastor and Paxton shouldn't stand up here, up here and have to look at slanderers, should people have to walk into the church house on the Lord's Day on Sunday and try to worship with someone who's been slandering them behind their back or in social media during the week? Can I get one amen right here? Amen. Now I tend to look at the glass is half full. As Brett Kavanaugh said, I live on the sunrise side of the mountain. I like that phrase. My daughter says, part of the problem with me, I'm sharing this message with my daughter Amberly at Texas Tech in grad school. I'm sharing this with her, and I'm like, I don't even notice this stuff. I can't believe as I did a little recon behind the scenes and a little intel work, I can't believe how many people, teenagers and adults and coaches and teachers and administrators who said how prevalent this problem is in our community. I was appalled. And everybody said, Dad, that's because you're like Nana and people and you just look for the best in people all the time. That's not something I did. I think she's right. I think I was raised in a culture where we just didn't do that. First of all, I was raised at a time when if you disobeyed your dad, you got smacked, right? 
You got smacked. I grew up in Hamlet. Most of my friends were black when I was a little. If I would have said to them, do you guys get a timeout? They would go, yeah, my timeout is called a coma. <laughs> yeah. Your mama telling you to get a timeout. My mama's smacking me upside the head. I'm in a coma. We'll take a timeout for a couple days. You don't like what I'm saying. Listen to me. I don't know if Amberly's right. I think I'm a little bit of a fool in a lot of ways. I'm always trying to laugh and have fun. But evidently, Pastor James was addressing something that was an issue in the first church in Jerusalem that we still seem to struggle with today. And if Pastor James, not because he was the half-brother of Jesus, but because he was a man of God inspired of the Holy Spirit, God told him to write this in his pastoral letter, letter tells us, we do not get to do it. We do not get to do it to anyone at any time. Can I get a couple more amens right there? Last is this. I don't get to slander my brothers and sisters even in private to my closest friends, or even my spouse. I heard this thought in my head, and it's not from the Lord. For your information, Bubba, I do not slander. I share prayer requests for those losers. <laughs> I don't know if you would say that in a moment of true sobriety. Do we get to slander? Is there an opening for us? That we get to slander a coach or a teacher or a pastor or a neighbor or a friend or the parents of my kids, classmates? Do, do we get to slander to our spouse just because we get to let all our guards down with our spouse? Do I get to slander to my close-knit group of friends? I asked our ministry assistants this week, kind of talking through this, how many close friends does the average person have? I don't know, four to 12 can you think about a small town or a community? If we only got to, if James said you can slander the people that are closest to you, and we all had our four to 12 people that we get to slander other people to, because others are our closest friends and our spouse. Can you imagine still how just spread through all of this would be? We, we don't get to. As a believer, and my wife's a believer, I don't even get to go home and slander anybody to her according to how I understand if I got sick at my stomach, would I do everything I could not to throw up on my wife? You, you're, you're exactly right I would. I'd do everything I could to keep that away from her. Then why should I go up, go home and let my heart throw up spiritually on my wife because I got a problem with somebody who didn't do things my way? You with me? We're almost done. I told you it wasn't a comfortable message. Setting up Pastor Jeff for next Sunday, it seems to me that the best way to combat the selfish nature of slander is to do the opposite. There used to be a Christian comedian, comedian back in the day. He, he used to say this, if you do the do's in the Christian life, you don't have time to do the don'ts. If you put your time and energy and effort in the do's of following Jesus, you don't even have time to do the don'ts. Pastor Jeff's going to give us the opposite next week, talking about encouraging one another, building up one another. Have you noticed that slander happens mostly behind people's backs? Have you noticed that? Can you build up other people behind their backs? You can, can't you? The good news is I can do the opposite. I can build up other people in private to my wife, in private with my closest friends, in public with my, with my neighbors and community members, in, in church. I can build others up even, with they're not, even if they're not there and it gets back to them. You know what I do once a week that I've been doing for 10 years in the trucking business? Once a week I call a truck driver's significant other. 
significant other. In our company, we've got 400 truck drivers. Once a week, I call their significant other, and I found out early on you've got to be careful because some of them have girlfriends in different towns. But anyway, that's not, the, that's not the point. I called their significant other and said, man, I just want to let you know, I know he's on the road a lot. He's taking care of one of my best customers. He's helping us feed America one truckload of food at a time. I just want you to know we appreciate what your husband, your spouse, your significant other does. I just want you to know. Guess what they do? As soon as I hang up, they call that significant other, don't they? Say, who's this guy that called me? Oh, that's one of our sales guys. You know, he was bragging about you. It's, it's amazing how powerful it is. Pastor Jeff's going to get to that next week. I want to finish with this. If we do the do's, we don't have time to do the don'ts. They were a happy little family living in a small town in North Dakota. Even though the young mother had not been entirely well since the birth of their second child, But each evening, the neighbors were aware of a warmth in their hearts when they would see the husband and father being met at the gate by his wife and two small children. There was laughter in the evening, too, and when the weather was nice, dad and children would romp together on the back lawn while mother looked on with happy smiles. Then one day, a village gossip started a story saying that the dad, the father, was being unfaithful to his wife, a story entirely without foundation. But it eventually came to the ears of the young wife, and it was more than she could bear. Reason left its throne, and that night when her husband came home, there was no one to meet him at the gate. No laughter in the house, no fragrant aroma coming from the kitchen, only coldness and something that chilled his heart with fear. And down in the basement, he found the three of them hanging from a beam. Sick and in despair, the young mother had taken the lives of her two children and their own. In the days that followed, the truth of what had happened came out, a gossip's tongue, an untrue story. A terrible tragedy. Let's pray together. Father, we know that all of Scripture is God-breathed and it's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. It's all profitable. And God, we know that even the difficult passages, even the difficult one another of do not slander one another is inspired, profitable word of God. So, Father, I pray that a lost world, a lost world, would know that we're your disciples by our love for one another, and that that love would consume and take the place of the speaking against, the talking against, the malicious intent, the unselfish, diabolical slander that sometimes comes out of our mouths in public and in private. Father, purify our hearts, purify our mouths, purify our lives and our church and your kingdom. God, make us more like Christ. Father, we pray that until you come back and get us, that we would take the advice, the inspired word of God through Pastor James, and that in place of the slander, we would be busy building others up at all times. Father, we love you and thank you for this great community. But we know, God, that you're going to sanctify us and purify us. Father, you you care more about Christ's character in us than our own convenience or comfort. And so, God, until you come back and get us, do a work in us. Father, I pray that if somebody here that needs to be prayed over, that needs to be just loved through repentance in this area or just needs a a healing touch or, or, Father, someone here that is not a part of a church family, God, if there's someone here that's not sure, this red flag of scripture slapped them in the face and they want to be sure before they leave here today that they have genuine saving faith. Whatever you're moving in our hearts now, 
During this time of invitation, we say yes, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the Church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland. 